you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. If I were to talk about the worship wars, would you know what I was talking about? Not many of you, right? This was a very particular churchy thing uh, that kind of was born in the 70s, kind of was nurtured in the 80s, but in the 90s and 2000s was a full-blown battle within the church, and most wouldn't even know it was happening. You had one camp that said, worship has become irrelevant. We have to make it relevant, and the only way to do that is with drums and a guitar. And you had one camp that said, no, there's lots of beauty in the tradition and, and classical music and in these Uh, these things that help usher us before the throne of grace. And everybody got nasty who knew they were in this war. There were declarations of never in my sanctuary. There were pastors saying, I'm not going to that church. And then they would give, uh, to, to make it worse, they'd find the oldest youth and invite them to be part of this war. I, I was... Uh, ushered into the worship wars as we had a youth band that would play our, our music for the youth group. And, and what if we brought them into worship and they did a couple songs? <sighs> My home church, majestic cathedral building, 50, 60 foot ceiling, stained glass uh, that will take your breath away. And the, the faces in that room the first time we brought the drums out were a lot. And and none of us appealed to uh, church tradition. None of us appealed to the wisdom of the scriptures. None of us actually said, like, this is what we believe about worship. Instead, we appealed to, well, we like this. If you had a real catchy little Wesleyan munch, they'd say, well, most of Wesley's hymns were bar tunes. Uh, So Wesley and the organ, this was just bar music that Wesley wrote words to. We would say, you don't care about the church if you don't let us have a contemporary service, because that's the only way we're going to grow is if we can have a contemporary service. And the traditional camp would say, well, you don't care about the church if you're going to throw away tradition in this music, right? Can you picture this happening in your church, even if you weren't part of the worship wars? If you didn't know this was going on, you can now look back, especially if you're a little bit older, and go, oh, there was a war uh, afoot. And, and we fought it uh, uh, tooth and nail. I, I'm, I'm an interesting person because I, I was raised in the very traditional style of worship. I played violin every Sunday in our full church orchestra. Every Sunday we had a full orchestra because we were, like that was the thing in town. And as a youth, if you played in the orchestra, you could skip Sunday school. And so <laughs> I began to play violin the first moment you could. So when you tell me your kids want to skip Sunday school, I, I understand that instinct wholeheartedly. If they pick up an instrument and bring it in, this is another, we, we can do this. Um, but as soon as there was an opening to maybe a contemporary service, I left that violin behind, grabbed my Taylor guitar, pulled some friends together, and we were given the task of designing a worship service to meet in the gym. Who thought letting me design a contemporary service with no other help was a good idea? Uh, so we watched, like, we, we find videos. They were always on a DVD back then. It was hard to, like, stream stuff, right? Napster was just, just a thing. Um, 
But you'd see these videos of churches that did contemporary worship, and what they do is they do a big block of music, and then a really long sermon, and you would leave. And it was highly effective. There is no denying that uh, in the middle of the worship wars, many of these churches that were uh, growing were churches with moderate, were with contemporary worship as their style. And they would uh, reach people that had never been part of a church, and they'd grow massively. And we would look around and go like, see, it does work. You know, a set of worship music, and then a sermon, and then you go home. I was so convinced this was right that whenever somebody would push for another element, I would say, but that's going to take away from worship, as if worship and, uh, and the music were synonymous. Marilyn is cracking up right now. This is, this is who I was. What if, what if we brought back, maybe, but what if we did the Apostles' Creed this week? Why would we do that? You know, this is, uh, my church was ahead of its time. It was doing weekly communion, or monthly communion instead of quarterly. You know, for about 30 years there, the Methodists just did quarterly communion. Uh, my church was uh, embracing the, the, the new theological or new liturgical reformation. We were doing monthly communion. And I was like, we really can't do that. We can't do that in this service because that communion really is taking time away from the sermon. Um, we need that time for this really important message uh, from this really good preacher to, to do this. And so we, we sh- can we just do it once a quarter if you make us do it, right? Uh, the worship leaders, we'd do all the praying. In between songs, we'd keep strumming our, our guitar and we'd, we'd uh, pray something. What if, we, what if we brought the Lord's Prayer back? Uh, no, that will make people run for the hills if we have the Lord's Prayer, right? Friends, they gave little old me, I was never little, I was six foot four in sixth grade. They gave me uh, this responsibility of designing a service based on just what we thought was right. And we tried. We, we read books on worship, and they were all studying Saddleback, and they were studying Willow Creek and these big churches, and so this seemed to be the right thing to do. Another group uh, worked really hard to design really good worship, really good traditional worship, and my church did it great. I mean, we were right by the music school with this diverse group. We always had the a full choir, full orchestra. I mean, handbells were, were rocking. I learned how to play handbells for a brief period. I could, I could do the two, but if you asked me to like start switching bells and running around, couldn't do that. And we just agreed to disagree. There was always resentment. Who got the pastor longer this week? Was the pastor over at the contemporary service longer or over at the traditional service longer? And we, we tied it all together based on the style of music. Never once did somebody say, hey, Chad, what is your driving definition of worship? It's like a valid question to ask somebody who's allowed to take like a whole gym over and make a service, right? If I asked you today what your driving definition of worship is, could you, I'm not going to ask you to stand up and give on the spot. I've done this before. Y'all, y'all don't like this. But could you give me a definition of worship if, if I asked you? If I, we went to Cheddar's and I got the, the little salad plate and the croissant, and we were just talking and having a good old one-on-one, I said, hey, what is worship? Do you feel like you have a, like a good answer? Not many head nods. I see a few like, maybes. So I have thought about this deeply for the last 15 years now, and I have a working definition. If you'll indulge me, I'm going to give you my working definition with lots of caveats that I'm not entirely sure this is the best definition. 
my working definition is that worship is the time and place where we encounter our God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, and in this encounter, God's character and purpose shapes us. We ascribe glory to God based on his character, and we are then in turn transformed more into his image. There's some problems there. I can, I'll give you that this is not a uh, fully, like I'm ready to put it in a book definition. But you know what it is, is it's a definition that would not have let me design worship the way I did when I was 19 years old. Because for me, the, the primary driver was my consumption of content in worship. I want to consume this great music and then consume this great sermon and be fed. And so this was the driving action of worship is me being fed, right? Y'all maybe felt that same drive, but sometimes when you reflect on if you want to come to worship. Uh, but, but that was my driving force. Never defined worship. And then uh, if, if we even have a definition, then, then what, is the, what are the acts of worship for? Well, to people think emotionally and, and like feel good, right? Like this is what the, uh, the acts of worship are supposed to do, was what I thought as a 19-year-old kid, designing the service with, with no input from anybody. I'd like to suggest that every church has a pattern of worship, even if they tell you they are like, Pentecostal free-going, right? They settle in eventually to some rhythm of worship that looks like a pattern that's predictable. And for most of her history, the church has had a four-part pattern for how they worship. You gathered in. So somehow we get together, right? We, we come into the building. We are here. The Spirit of God, like, draws us in somehow. We show up, and uh, we are brought together. And then God's Word is proclaimed in various ways. We hear it in the reading of the word. We hear it in scripture. We hear it in uh, our prayers. We hear it in the sermon. In our tradition, this is the most important fold. Uh, for Protestants and for, for West Indians, this is the fold that like, we really build up, right? It's the sermon. Um, our Catholic brothers and sisters would say that actually the third fold of worship, the response, is maybe the more uh, important part of worship. If we're, if we're coming to glorify God, to ascribe glory to him, to, in light of his character, to, to, to shine uh, back his glory to him, uh, the third fold, the response fold, the third part of worship, uh, they would argue is the most important. And for, for most of church tradition, that's the Eucharist. Uh, for, uh, for all of church history, except for the last 200 years, it was the response to the word of God. As you come to the table... And you encounter Christ and say, here I am, Lord, and you receive God's grace. And then uh, you come to the fourth fold, where in, in, infused with God's grace, where you've met Christ, where you've heard the word proclaimed, you then go forth to bear witness to God's love. So the, the folds are gathering, word, response, and sending. Every tradition has some version of this order. This is present in your contemporary worship service. I didn't know it wasn't mine, but you're gathered in with like an, a welcoming, upbeat song, right? Um, shout to the Lord. I love shout to the Lord. I could still play it on a keyboard right now if I had to. Um, with some kind of thing that draws us in, you would sing a bunch of songs, and then you'd hear the word preached. The third fold would happen fast. Usually the worship band comes up behind the preacher and starts pray, playing, right? And then you have a moment where... Uh, you, you, uh, this prayer emerges, Lord, receive 
uh, our lives, Lord, transform our hearts, and we might even have a like, um, you know, if you've never met Jesus, altar call moment, right? There's something that usually happens towards the end of the sermon and before you leave. If you're in a more uh, liturgical setting, uh, you'll see a hymn of response. You'll see an uh, invitation for discipleship. It's a, it's a moment to say, uh, even outside of the Eucharist, like, here's how we're going to respond God, right? And then we're going to have some element that sends us forth. Uh, it, it could be, uh, you know, somebody up, stand up in a robe, you know, uh, go in peace to love and serve the Lord, or it could be that last rocking song and a goodbye. Um, but the, this pattern holds throughout church history. But what we did is we took one part of worship, which is style, and made it the sole focus, style over structure and content. We took and said style is more important than what we're doing in worship and why are we doing it in worship. And that's why we all fought in, in pretty dramatic ways over what worship was. I gotta tell you, since I've begun to understand what worship is, that, that we are coming to glorify God, not to like be filled ourselves, that we are uh, transformed as we glorify God, and since I've begun to understand that there's an actual structure to worship, I've come to appreciate that you can make just about any style of worship uh, glorify God. That if we can separate style from content and structure, there can be beauty in both of them. And the church has largely settled this and said, uh, there is room in the church for uh, North Point Andy Stanley beautifully done and there's room for offerings. There's room for something that looks like downtown and something that looks like Andover. Uh, and yet we all do this one thing which is worship. We ascribe glory to God on the basis of his character. We worship. This is uh, kind of the second means of grace that Wesley talked about when he would talk about how have you uh, used the means of grace this week. He would talk about the church as community, but then he would talk about the church as a worshiping body. Have you come to church to worship? And then he would also ask, and have you received the sacraments? Because uh, in Wesley's day, there was no response to the word that didn't include the sacraments. This was an understood thing, that you would come and experience God's grace in this way. You with me so far? Okay. Sometimes I worry that I'm, I'm deep in my head and I've left you behind and I'm, I'm looking over here, especially at my good, my good face section, the ones who like get really animated. Sometimes Kathy, Kathy Edwards is just like, yeah! And then sometimes she gets really quiet and Marilyn's not crying or smiling. And, <laughs> and I get deeply concerned that I have just left the whole bus behind me. So give me some more face up here, people. Mark, you're doing great. Whew! Oh, I knew you were awake. I thought you were just bored. <laughs> now I've got myself so tickled, I'm not sure I can even pull this thing back together. Here and ever, we are committed to worship because it's one of God's means of grace. We're committed to taking seriously that our worship is not primarily about what we get, but about what we give back to God. That our worship, uh, whatever the style looks like, and it looks a little different often, it is rooted in telling God's story and responding to God's story. It's coming in God's grace and meeting God at the table and then being sent out. Wesley asked if the people had taken the means of grace and taken them seriously because not that they were this thing to check off and do so that you could uh, be a good person, but because they, he believed that God actually transformed us in this moment. 
that instead of us coming to be fed, God did the feeding as we gave back to God. Worship has looked a lot of different since pandemic started, hasn't it? Uh, some of us would still, uh, I, when I hear the shaking of the individual communion cups to go stand outside, uh, I still have very big feelings about it. Um, when we uh, look around the room and see that there are cameras all over the room, it still brings about this response that we couldn't be together. Uh, the week before pandemic, people were starting to get scared about uh, the realities of it, and we had a lot of questions about uh, how can we do communion uh, and not dip our fingers in the cup? How can we, how can we be safer? And, and it forced us to ask, what is most important to us? What are the things that, uh, if we were never able to do them again, we would, we would deeply regret? And, uh, and for one of us, for, for, for a number of us, it was the conviction that, that corporate worship together that leads to the table and us being sent out in the spirit is something that we would deeply uh, miss, that our, our church life would be broken if that was never to come back, right? There are plenty of great service organizations out there where we can go do good in the community, right? But there are not many other places where we can come and glorify God and meet Jesus. And so uh, we, we did drive through communion. We took it to houses. We uh, did whatever we had to to worship, and yet we, we longed for coming back we long to gather together and, and sing those songs, to hear the word proclaimed, to uh, respond at the table, and then to be sent forth. And so, friends, I hope for you, uh, worship has a reason. And I hope your reason is that you are so uh, uh, shaped by God that you can't help but give back to God glory. And that as you encounter the word, you can't wait to come and encounter God's grace. And that you know that you're then going to be sent out in the spirit to go and declare God's love to the world. These are the everyday, ordinary things that God uses to fill us with grace. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the means of grace. These things that are not uh, check boxes for uh, your approval, but are instead ways that you live out your relationship with us. That we experience your grace in new ways, regardless of where we are in our faith journey. That for some today is uh, a new day and a new understanding of you, and, and a day where your grace has just largely gone before. And for others, it's a day where you are working out our salvation with us. And for others, it's a day where we're one more step towards holiness. And Lord, uh, we thank you that you meet us here. We thank you that uh, even when we get the reasons wrong, when we argue amongst ourselves, you still show up in our worship and you receive whatever bit of glory we're able to give you. As a church, Lord, will you shape our worship and our lives to be uh, wholly focused on glorifying you, on experiencing your grace, and then going forth in it uh, to love and serve the world. Lord, would you fill us each day with a desire to come back together as the body of Christ to, to worship you and then to glorify you in the world. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.